Netflix. She's, oh, yeah. Know, oh, yeah, Netflix. Yeah. Luis Guzman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that show is basically Veronica Mars, but spooky. That's what it looks like. That's why I haven't... Well, that's one reason why I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> that and everybody doing the dance has me all set. <laughs> yeah, the, the dance is, like, most of the viral craze things. Like It's like, yeah, it, it's fine, whatever. I'll yeah. get to a show when I feel like it. Exactly. I really have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> You're not missing out. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so this is... Uh, oh, hello, welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. Uh, I'm Spencer. Uh, this is the last recording we're doing, but not the last episode that's going out. Um, Joel's here, I, I think. Of course, I had to be here. And make sure you uh, behave. Uh, are you Santa now? Uh, no. It's getting a little late I'm, for that. I'm more like a, uh, you know what? Just, are you Krampus? Let's, let's just oh, see. Oh, there the you devil. go. <laughs> uh, what's the Spanish way to say Santa Claus? Or is, there, is it just still Santa Claus? Um, it's uh, el, uh, el hombre grande. It's Papa Noel, el, I think. Uh, yeah, it's probably Papa Noel. <laughs> I was trying to think of how to say a large man who is, is red. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Amanda's here. MVP of the season. Hell yeah. Oh, thank you. Had to have well, her on. Thanks for having for me back, guys. Yay. Yeah. yeah, you're always a pleasure to have on. And uh, yeah, you'll be on next season and whatnot. Yeah, so this is episode that was supposed to be in Tume, but he's kind of busy with you know, uh, everything he does. And, uh, yeah, so he grac- uh, graciously said it's okay for someone to take his place. And I'm not rude, so I asked beforehand, because I felt mm-hmm. uh, it'd be fucked up just, just to go for it and not ask. Yeah. Not, yeah. Look, that's my, that might happen to, to me. Fill, so. <laughs> Yeah. Jimmy's always also, great. That, that happened to me in the past on another show, where someone. Kind oh wow! Of, yeah, so uh, yeah. I'd rather be respectful about that stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Amanda, you'll do fine. Okay. Uh, well, you guys keep having me back, so I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the last Varda we're talking about for this season, but not the last Varda I will watch. So, no. Uh, uh, J Dog, um, mm. this movie, Cleo from Five to Seven. Have you seen it before? Yeah, yeah. When I was going through my French, I mean, just when I watched, uh, point, what is it called? Point, uh, point break? The, no, the first thing I did. <laughs> a point court. Oh, a point court? <laughs> a point court, yes, thank you. I was just like, I have to see what else this person has done. And so I watched a couple of other things. This is one of them. And uh, at the, the first time I watched it, it actually didn't make that much of an impact in me. Like, I, I'd like cats. <laughs> I, th- huh? I thought, uh, <laughs> this is a, kind of unusual. But, like, this time I was just like, this is so charming. And, like, I kind of love it. Yeah, it's like the thing we brought before, which is um, 
excuse me, uh, with Varda. It's like, it's playful, and she, like, messes with the format of film and film, and it's like, it's still serious, but it's not like... Like, you can be serious and dry and be effective, but, like, Varda always has this, the ones I've seen, it's this kind of playful, mm-hmm. like, fun to it. And it's like, this. she messes with genre, messes, messes with the, the format of film, and it's like, well, it's a movie. It, we can, you know have a have like a musical moment for no reason you can have like a switch to like a hollywood romance for no reason because it's a movie mm-hmm. um and then just her other style too on top of that of um that kind of documentary realism too which is cool like and that's probably one of the things i i really like about this movie is just that you're also experiencing um paris in the 60s um, and it's a real glimpse into it. So that's that's something I also really like about it and about our movies is wherever wherever they are, you're kind of getting a glimpse of like everyday life and, and real people um, and what's going on at the time. So it's kind of interesting that it also has that documentary vibe to it too. Yeah. And uh, I put a note to make sure I remember to bring this up. Uh, Joel, this has your favorite French New Wave um, trope in it. <coughs> My favorite French New Wave trope. Is there a philosopher? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see, what else? It's something you see in the background in a lot of the movies. Oh, it has pinball, yeah. Yes, it does. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this is probably when I I was like, wait a minute, how many of these, so many of these movies have pinball? And I'm like, that's awesome. I wish there was just pinball machines <laughs> like in everything going to, tar- going to target and there's like <laughs> six pinball machines like why not yeah <sighs> like if only the the who's pinball wizard was also in every single movie oh yeah that should be this should be <laughs> yeah that was my first uh russell what's that his name Ken Russell, oh. yes, that was my first Ken, Ken Russell, Russell movie. Yeah, that was like the first musical I liked. I guess that's a musical. Yeah. I don't know if that counts. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, it's got songs in it. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's probably someone listening. Like it's a rock opera. It's different. It's like okay, sure, sure, whatever. Well, that person's entitled to their opinion. Everybody know. is. Yeah. I mean, genre's made up, anyways. The concept of genre. It's like. It's, yeah, you don't have to define things into these singular spaces like it's film. Right. Or like in the blockbuster Hollywood video days when everything that I liked was in the special interest section. <laughs> <laughs> everything I liked yeah. was in the video game section. That too. They were just so expensive to rent. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, I remember renting... Uh, what was it? It was a Final Fantasy X, and nice. I got ten hours in, and I was like, "Fuck this game! I hate this shit." <laughs> That's not a game you can really rent if you want to play it. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I was unless like, you don't sleep. <laughs> I was like eleven, and I was like, yeah. "This is too much investment. I can't do this right now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that fucking Blitzball, goddamn! Oh god, I, I was just gonna mention that. Worst. I hated that. <laughs> And you have to play a full game of Blitzball to get through the, like the yeah. stories. Like, no, this is garbage. Yeah. At least like, aren't video games supposed to be so fun? Continue. Exactly. 
Um, that was like um, that stupid. Oh, speaking of which, Kingdom Hearts, the first one, is a game I rented at like a Hollywood video, and I couldn't get off the damn beach the first time I rented it. And then like <laughs> the next time I did, <laughs> I was like, this gummy ship thing totally sucks. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, the gummy ship <laughs> yeah. is, is really it was garbage. awful. Yeah. Anyway. Especially now they have like achievements associated with it. I'm like, I'm not gonna go get all these gummy ship yeah. like, instructions. Go to hell. Exactly. It's Ge- supposed to be fun. Geppetto, go to hell. <laughs> go to hell, Geppetto. Yeah. That's how I play those games. <laughs> yeah, I remember I first saw Kingdom Hearts because I, when I was a, a real young, I got Game Pro for a stretch. And mm. I saw Kingdom Hearts in it and I was like, this is obviously a fake game. This isn't real. And yeah, so I put it out totally of my fake. mind f- mind for yeah. years. Then the sequel yeah. came out, and my friends loved it, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. That was real? That's actually a game? <laughs> Dude, I remember, like, the advertisements for the first one on, like, the Disney Channel. And I was like, this isn't real. This is just some stupid Disney Channel stuff. So I'm totally with you on that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> Disney and anime. Yeah. Their styles. That doesn't go together. It doesn't. I've but. beaten that game multiple times, so... Nice. I didn't care for the latest one. I thought it was pretty bad. But. It's uh, so stupid that they had to do it in a freaking add-on to, yeah. to have the Final Fantasy characters in there. It's like, yeah. that's the charm of it. That's why I was playing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, I, I, my hot take on Kingdom Hearts that will come become very clear is there's an indie wrestler that... Uh, I was a fan of Kid Bandit, and they did a they do cosplay stuff, and they did a cosplay of Sora, and I went okay. from being a fan to being like absolutely not unfollow on Twitter. I can't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that great, that's huh? my feelings on that's my feelings on Kingdom Hearts. You've my life. All right. It was good cosplay, really? but it's like no, no, I just can't with you right now. All right. okay. I, just, I just want to talk about every movie I've been watching on Criterion, but we, we have to stick to the one. This is the Leo one I've watched. No, I've, I've, yeah. Yeah, this is like the only movie I watched on it in like the past month or so. Cleo from Friday to Seven. This one? The, yeah, school. And I just kind of reached the point where it's like, I want to watch Tubi and stuff on Hulu. I, I can't sit, I can't get my brain in the process of like a serious artsy movie <laughs> it's totally fair you can't just like let your brain melt when you watch this or a lot of movies that are worth your time I don't know, like, would you call this a serious artsy movie though no but like you know mm-hmm. it's a it's a, like the Criterion Channel movies are different than like the Hulu Channel movies like I can yeah. rewatch Pre- I can rewatch Pretty Prey much. like like it's nothing but I can't just plop down and do that with like Go with not, well, not Godard, but with like you know, uh, curse well, not curse up. You know what I mean? Like with like Criterion type movies, like uh, this Criterion type movies. Like yes, Wally and hey, good one. And, yes, uh, what's the, <laughs> the the baseball one? Um, what are you talking about? It's got Kevin Costner in it and Susan Sarandon. Bull Durham. Yes, Bull Durham. That's Criterion. Yes. And you know what? That's People bring up, like, oh, it's on Criterion. It must must be a special movie. And, and being familiar with, like, Vinegar Syndrome and uh, mm-hmm. all those other yeah. brands and stuff like that, it's just like Criterion is 
just a label, and they yes. pr they produce things. Now they do release a lot of things that are foreign language and have you know reputations already, but yeah, still just a publishing label. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they've been threatening. They're good at what to, they do, like several other ones yeah. are. Yes, yeah, they they've been threatening to put out um, Atlantics for a while. Threatening. They, yeah, they said <laughs> they were going to. And I ruined the day because I I I want to watch it on Netflix still. That's like one of the reasons to keep Netflix. But one of these days it will leave Netflix, sadly, and I, I'm scared of what, yeah. what will happen to it. That reminds me, I just told just... somebody to watch that. I wonder if they. Yeah. Sounds good. That's that's what's um, concerning about the streaming um, route, but yep. that's a whole other topic. <laughs> The okay. intro to this movie presents yeah. us with Cleo meeting a you know a fortune teller or something like that and getting her uh, her future read via these tarot cards. And at first, it just seems yep. kind of like weirdly obscure, but you know, pay attention to the movie. <laughs> it's like Damn, right, I gotta go it is see the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize that until like I rewatched it at one point, and that it actually the beginning just tells you what's going to happen in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like kind of like how like the first time I saw it too, I was like, "How is the beginning in colors? Like all the the pictures and things I've read on this movie, everything's in black and white." Then I kind of like how all of a sudden when you like you see their faces, it goes to black and white. And I think it kind of just makes you kind of take you away into like her reality or that time block of like the, the five to seven. But I, I love that she did that. That was cool. Couple uh, you guys, you guys are getting laggy on my side. Oh, I, we're being laggy. Doing fine on my side. Yeah, okay. same. Oh no. It's It'll probably record fine. Yeah, you have to one point five it though, maybe. <laughs> Speed it up. Anyways, Cleo is gonna reach out. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the beginning, because Farda, I'm never, I never know what to expect. Uh, but which yeah. is a, which is a good thing. Unlike Spike Lee, where sometimes it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> she hated me. I, I don't know about uh, this. I don't know if this movie needs lesbians. It's about nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> It's about Enron. A 9-11 is 25th hour. Of course. But that has, like, the prison <laughs> stuff and, like, the prison rape jokes. Like, okay, it's a 2000s movie. I get it. Yeah. yeah. The time and a place. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but, like, uh, this, the intro being in color, mm -hmm. partially, in switching back and forth was just... Like, it's... It, it, it's a it's effective uh, uh, story wise, character wise, but also just visually like pay attention mm -hmm. the way yeah, it's just switching sure. back and forth. Yeah, it's like this. This is important in a way you're not going to understand, and you yeah. may never understand. Kind of thing, and especially like when you think about it in context of like real life, the idea of getting your future predicted. I mean that that is a would be a highlighted moment. I'd sweat it out for the rest of my life. Like, said I'm gonna die by getting hit by a bus. Ah, yeah, yeah. terrified. Yeah, yeah. That's also, I need to dump my boyfriend, even though he pays for all my stuff. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. 
it's I wonder the context of like Cleo's interactions with all the people around I feel like she doesn't have a very high sense of self-worth you know yeah she um, seems just like a cog in the machine of like you know uh, of where she is yeah I mean, somebody, she's like obsessed with herself too because she is like um with like constantly looking in mirrors at herself and um but then at the same time like with everybody she encounters in the movie like it, it, like you kind of like get introduced to to friends and, and people that are important to her and like her lover and but then they just maybe it was just me but watching it again um i was like they don't really seem to want to listen to her <laughs> with her thinking she's sick and gonna die <laughs> like mm-hmm. so it kind of i don't know it just made a lot of her relationships with people seem superficial um if that makes sense and that she's kind of alone in it and then i guess for that reason also obsessed with herself but like self-conscious um and mm-hmm. i kind of liked that about the movie and then you kind of just see how she changes a bit at the end yeah yeah, I think that ties into like her being like a a pop singer. Yeah. Like that's like the, uh, like I like disposability artifice of like that type of world. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's you know, yeah, and that's when the change happens is when you know, she takes off this this wig she or hair piece that she's been wearing the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I kind of don't realize it, it until she takes it off and. It's a, it is a good wig. Like it it didn't. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes with oh, I guess like I think of like modern Hollywood stuff you can tell when's the wig. Right. Uh, the word, the la- the, I watched or like um, double identity with Barbara Stanwyck's wig. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of like um, <laughs> not Hereditary, that other movie with a similar name. Uh, about uh, the about the that James Wan movie. What was that what was that the James lady? Wan movie? James Wan movie. With the lady uh, is he the one that did Fast and the Furious? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost Zoe Bell, isn't it? Uh, uh, I don't know. I can't oh, remember. I'm, ugh, there's so many horror movies, but, and then the whole concept of the what? elevated ones, or whatever that nonsense is. Um, <laughs> what the, the Conjuring uh, movies, the or Malignant, or Malignant? There we go. Yeah. Malignant. That was yeah, like a uh, one character movie. is. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, I stopped. Ha- I stopped an hour, and I got bored oh. with it. <laughs> My favorite elevated horror is Street Trash. Yes. Yeah. That's great. It's a good movie. Well, no, it isn't. <laughs> that is obviously elevated because some yeah. people will just not watch it, and that's my opinion. Like, Does he, oh, you exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, with, with Malignant, the whole time I was watching, like, the, I was watching, it's like, like, I was thinking, like, well, that's a, that's a terrible wig. And it's very distracting. Yeah. This shit like that. It's like, this get, get a better wig budget. And on Horror <laughs> Queers, they always bring up um, the wig for Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween. Yeah. Uh, two and on. <laughs> where every time I see a, a like a clip or, or whatever of Jamie Lee Curtis and New Halloweens or Halloween 2, it's just like, good lord, that's a horrible wig. It sticks out so much. Maybe that's the point. Is it? Uh, no, no, I was trying. 
No. <laughs> uh, Agnes takes out so many tricks in this movie. Like they're. I'm just kind of like scanning hat. through some of the stuff as as Cleo leaves the uh, the fortune teller. We occasionally get this first person perspective of her walking down the stairs, and yep. then she's walking in the street, and all these people that don't realize they're being recorded. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, all thanks for getting back on track. But also, oh, yeah. I like that several, uh, a, a couple of noticeable people who are like, will like look in the camera like it's local news. They're like, what the at hell? A couple of points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's when she arrives at the cafe to meet her friend, there is a part where her friend's inner monologue becomes what we hear, and it's like, wait a minute, what? But it's just that split second. The rest of the movie has nothing like that. Yeah. And later, um, to skip way ahead, or at least in the middle, one of my favorite parts is when she is practicing with those two, whatever they are, dickheads. Um, <laughs> It, when it suddenly becomes only her singing and you feel like how sad it she can be based on just on the song that she's singing. Yeah. It becomes a shock to me musical for a brief second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and musically, it sounds like a Michel, Michel Legrand type score in that it, one it, part, even though it's, I think, uh, I almost think he double tracked it to the music. Cause it's not Michelle Legrand who did the music. He did. I'm pretty sure he's the composer of this. Cause I saw. Wait, is Carla Ponti sure a music? Is. Carla Ponti a producer. And then, like Michelle Legrand, like, is I'm pretty sure is also the pianist producer. in that scene. <laughs> oh, okay. If I remember correctly, I mean, I'm going from memory, so you might have to edit this out, but or you could just say I didn't know what she was talking about, but pretty sure that's the pianist. <laughs> You probably know more than me. I don't know. <laughs> okay, because like, no, Carlo Ponti's a producer. I always think he's a get mixed up with someone else. I don't know why I, I always think he's a very a composer to mix them up because of I'm terrible at French pronunciations, and here I am talking about French film with you guys. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure okay. that's him at the piano, um, which I thought was cool. Okay, that would make sense because like this listening to. It, Oh, okay. I didn't notice he was even in the credits. Yeah. I don't even remember what the character's name is, but I'm like 99% certain that's him. And um, uh, He's the one with the glass. Uh, well, he's the one with the longer hair. I think he's the he's one that said to her she the... couldn't read music or something, <laughs> which just okay, killed so me. He's, now, he the other guy, one, had, one of them has just incredibly weird looking teeth. And yes. I feel, I feel bad for saying that. I mean, that, teeth, but... Yeah, that's not Michelle. That's so. <laughs> That's other guy. Yeah, Michelle is the one playing piano. He's yes. Bob. Other one's Maurice. Maurice. The baguettes. Hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I think my the thing that really struck me with this movie was just how explicitly like feminine it is. Yeah. And this is such a nice change of pace from uh, this, like, mediocre man stuff and philosophy. And it's just like, this is just the life of a woman. Uh, you mean, like, the, the short film where we have uh, two uh, French New Wave cameos in it? 
Oh, yeah. uh, and yeah. Eddie Constantine is in it. Yep. And some blackface. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh, and I mean, speaking of blackface, and uh, <laughs> and John Claude Brille is in that segment too. Oh yeah. 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 So it's four, at least four uh, cameos. That's right. The blackface thing. Uh, I already talked to Spencer just just a tiny bit about this, but there's there's a scene where Cleo's in a taxi and they're talking about something something about uh, dangerous at night, and in the window that they pass by are some African-looking art, and it just does this like sudden zoom on them, like dun dun dun. You're close up, and then it's gone. But you get. All you need to know just from that one moment. It's like, wow. It's not not like the movie's not blatantly racist or anything like no. that. But it it's like this is she's just the this is the way it was felt at the time. And yeah. It's like it's not good, but there was a con- it, there was a conversation I think in a cafe she was in too, where somebody calls someone a racist because of, of something they do say. And I, I barely remember that scene, but to your point, like it's, it's there. And mm-hmm. I think a, a reason for it being there, which is, I think is important. It's just that it's a glimpse into Paris in the sixties. And mm-hmm. I think it, you know, it's important that it's, it's there within context, of course, so that we don't forget. Yeah. Because of all the French New Wave people, the one who would, uh, excluding some Ben who I consider French New Wave, ha- would can talk like, even consider like talking about Africa, it would be it, uh, Agnes Varda. Yeah. Because, uh, like Godard probably like he probably cares, but he doesn't care enough to put in his movies. It's not whatever he feels like in, at the moment. Right. And like the other guys, like. It's not philosophical enough. Not philosophical enough for um, the my not mod my not uh, mods guy. I forgot his name. It doesn't matter. Claire's knee guy. Mm-hmm. I know you're you're talking about Romare. Yeah, that's like our tenth most listened to episode we've ever done. Really? Which one, Claire's knee? Um, the Romare episode. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, I think that Romero does get assigned a lot in certain classes, and that that's one of the things I kind of like about podcasts like this, handling a single movie. Is that, mm-hmm. Like, I imagine somebody being like, oh, shit, I, I was supposed to watch that movie. Uh, yes. <laughs> whatever this podcast is. Like, yeah. Okay, now now I have opinions. <laughs> it's the cliff notes. But, but they're ours. <laughs> is it? Yeah. We our whole episode. If, if, I don't know if you remember it or you heard it, but we're like, I don't know. It's fine, I guess. This guy's a creep. <laughs> and this one, like some kid's gonna talk about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the time Sora met Goofy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they went to Blockbuster. Yes, in the special interest yeah. section. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but. uh yeah, but like this, like us, us, like how, um, like again, it's just like it's just so refreshing to be like, oh, you see like a woman shopping, you see this like w- w- the experience of this woman, and mm-hmm. and just watching, I watched it again yesterday, and it's just like, oh yeah, this is like part of it. It's pleasant to sit through because like you see, like well, this is Paris at this mo- at at this moment in time. Yep. This is what like the 
what like the what the stores look like. This is what restaurants look like. USC, the everyday life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Something really stupid just occurred to me. What? The scene with the taxi. Mm-hmm. We have a a woman driving the taxi. Yes. And she's French, and it made me think of Pulp Fiction with Bruce Willis. And for some reason, the woman driving that cab, <laughs> taxi cab, is also French. But that's the only relation. Like they're not the characters are not similar. <laughs> like this, no. the woman in Cleo from Five to Seven seems like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's 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 again something I really like about um, Agnes Varda is there's real people in a majority of her movies that don't know that they're being filmed <laughs> mm-hmm. and like the the older ladies with their baguettes which is just when i think of, of france and, and paris it's just their wonderful food and people walking around with stuff like that so i love seeing those things and just people on the street um and uh then there's like also like current events that people kind of talk about and then the the soldier at the end uh like just the algerian war which i thought was was cool that that was in the movie and kind of fits into this being a little bit of a um a glimpse into 1961 france um so i liked that too that that's just kind of you hear that like in the background and in conversation and what people are talking about (sighs) it's very similar to now i think this is what makes it interesting too is like how modern this movie feels when you watch it i wish yeah, I, I don't feel like I, I could watch a movie that was made like this, and I don't think it would be... The difficult part would probably be filming permits and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, especially for background people. It's not really not really a thing to film them without permission. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like you said, inser- inserting, talking about the um, war in Algeria, Yeah. it's... Just like a casual conversation thing, because it's something everybody is talking about, thinking about. Yeah. And like silly things, like there's a part where there's a bunch of art students that are (laughs) that are dancing around in the street and putting a taxi. And it's like this feels like something that actually happened. This feels real. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what recently has done that? I, I can't think of a single thing. Yeah, even just me, like, kind of in my head going through all of the, the newer movies I've seen this year, I don't remember any having a moment like that that just seemed natural and real. Mm-hmm. It's like Woody, Woody the pedo Allen, he uh, likes to focus on the environment and in his movies and stuff like that but it's it's in such a like don't you see how beautiful this is mm-hmm. kind of way as opposed to this is this is the reality right by the way you, you can cut out <laughs> saying woody the pedo allen but <laughs> a lot of it can't. is forced and and uh wants to just kind of force somebody else's opinions and ideas on you as opposed to like to your mm-hmm. point with agnes she's kind of just like here it is Mm, yeah, I, I I've only seen Manhattan and I thought it was kind of boring. So, <laughs> I I trust your opinion on this. I mean, Annie Hall is good, um, so I'll give it that. It, it actually <laughs> Duvall, but yeah, I 
But I thought, man, I was just really boring. That turned me off. What are you yelling at? to see the one where he's dating like a 16 year old. So. Of course. I, I just picked one at random because. I was I think I was nineteen. I was like, "Oh, I follow Woody Allen. Yeah. I'll watch a Woody Allen movie. What's this one called?" Okay, and that's that's really was it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Sleeper's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess it's just Woody Allen's is, is just an area. It's like I don't know if I care enough to even sit through uh, like the good ones <laughs> there are movies i legitimately like that he's done and uh it's not i don't let the fact that he's a scumbag uh <laughs> change change my mind about those things it's a, for some reason i mean it, it's everyone does this like i'm going to make exceptions because i already liked this before i discovered what kind of person they were kind of thing and it's I used to feel guilty about that, like, oh, I really should stop that. But what it really comes down to is, like, I've seen his older stuff. I know his older stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch anything new he makes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a good idea, whether or not he was a gross person, because uh, his newer stuff is shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it works out perfectly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, just like, I, I, I've listened to... Uh, black metal since i was like 15 and some of those bands are not good for a variety of reasons but part of me is like well i i was i've been listening to this for over half my life so it's just kind of like you know yeah i don't think about that part right <laughs> but woody allen came along where it's like i never had that woody allen like i, I like i've come across other movie people who are like oh when i was 15 i had a woody allen phase it's like that never happened for me <laughs> we're not what yeah. yeah being a pedestrian in Par- in france or paris I, I assume this is paris we're in it is, is yeah it's it, paris. it feels like a goddamn nightmare like Why? literally i feel like i've had a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> what about it makes you feel like a nightmare i'm curious well there's not really road signs or or directions and stuff Mm. like that and cars seem to go Mm willy-nilly it like in the directions and and pedestrians will just walk in front of like moving traffic and the cars are expected to stop and they they do but yeah i i would have a heart attack (laughs) i'm the kind Mm. of person that sits stands at a stop sign and if there's cars i'm just gonna wait oh guys cross (laughs) gotcha yeah oh yeah, well, uh, Paris at this point in time was like was like seventies New York apparently. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but it's, it, it's a bit. This could have been taxi driver. Mm. Full, I'm full of porno theaters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dirty, grimy. What yeah. they're trying to say that that uh, New York and Paris are now, which is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't see anything wrong with taking your your date. Uh, for a first date to a porno movie come on <laughs> i mean i mean the last time i was in new york it's like disneyland now so <laughs> like <laughs> speaking speaking of special interest mm. exactly mm-hmm. but yeah watching this i cut my uh i was thinking like this could have been monica Vitti. this feels like a monica Vitti type of role it does and yeah and then by the end of it, I was like, oh, this is like Antonioni, but not boring. <laughs> there's actually, there's stuff going on. I don't, I don't agree with that. Thank Antonioni you. Thing. Yeah. Like when we talked about Laventura. Antonioni has a lot of uh, 
I mean, speaking of philo- philosophical movies, the, the difference between the philosophy that I don't like and an Antonioni movie is that the philosophy is shown and not seen. Mm. You know, character dialogue is a little weird if you're expecting them to have normal conversations, but it's all part of this whole movement and feeling that the movie has. This one... Yeah feels i mean it's purposely episodic like literally yeah. chapters are <laughs> are cut in there mm-hmm. and although there's there's tons of beautiful shots it, it's not about creating a world like like we've been talking about the world exists and that's that's where the film takes place right hmm. yeah and but like it's but like antonio isn't playful or like this is playful and it's serious, but also it's it's not afraid to be fun, right? And when I think of Antonioni, I think of like what Orson Welles said when he was asked about it, and he was like, "If you like movies that are just landscapes for beautiful people, he's the guy for you." And there's like an emptiness, and that's weirdly something I liked about when we talked about La Ventura was that emptiness, and like there's like whole like long shots of like Monica Vitti like walking in these empty spaces and it's night and get the lights and you just kind of see her go from the top of a parking lot down the street and you just kind of walk with her and you stay with her like so it's 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 very different whereas like Varda's is just like full of 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 life and and people just doing their normal thing and they don't look like actors because they're not they look like people you would run into if you were to to go out and run an errand um so like a total opposite to him it seems yeah and also, I was thinking, if this something like this were made now, I could see Anya Taylor Joy being in a role like this. Mm. I don't know if she could do it though. I know that might sound terrible to people and that like Anya Taylor Joy, but I don't I th- know if she could I do th- it. <laughs> I think I've only seen The Witch, and I don't. I'm pretty sure the only thing is, I've seen her in. The Witch is really good, but um, that um, what was but the? Th- I didn't see the menu yet. Um, but uh, what was the one of the last? I think one of the last movies I saw her in was the that um. Edgar Wright movie last night in Soho. Oh yeah, which I didn't care for at all. I don't know how you oh, guys feel no, about no. it. It was it was spoiled. Awful. It was spoiled for me a while ago. I mean, it yeah. doesn't even need to be spo- spoiled. It fucking sucks. It was <laughs> awful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I like your other movies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Make comedies. <laughs> but um, uh, I, was, I have to bring this up. Mary hates um, Anya Taylor Joy. Because she looks like an alien to her. What? And every I mean, time I see her face now, I'm like, I I see the alien. I, I see what you're talking about. You say that, and it's like, has she? I'm trying to think right now. Has she ever been in a movie with Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think that would cause the world to explode, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. I was yeah. just thinking that when you yeah, said Benedict she looks like an Cumberbatch. alien. See, I, I think Benedict Cumberbatch looks relatively normal. Now you get Matt Smith. <laughs> but I, I mean, Spencer, we've talked about this before. Like the, yeah. the one of the reasons why I think that she is very yes. attractive is because she has different features than yeah. you know the, the um, classically beautiful Hollywood. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but also like once it's pointed out, it's like yeah, she kind of does look look, look like like an alien a bit. Maybe maybe Mary just doesn't like mixed race people. Uh, no. <laughs> she just doesn't like Anya Taylor Joy. That's all right. How tall is she? Is she a tall gray? What is she? <laughs> uh, Anya was a model, so she must be tall. 
exactly. So <laughs> she's one of those Nordic yeah, aliens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm trying very, to think of ready. who I would <laughs> actually cast as this, and it's not. That's not two thousand twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would be disappointed practically by anybody they picked unless it was somebody who hadn't done very much. Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if this even makes sense. It could be an Anna Taylor-Joy, um, but um, Leah Sadu. See, I was trying to think of... Uh, yeah, I was trying to remember her mm. name, and she could definitely do it, but... Um, she could sing because that is Corinne Marchand singing in that scene too. Like they didn't have somebody else sing and, and dub over it. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if she sings. I don't know. One mm. sings and the other one doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. This is so funny that I'm just doing basically like a third watch through right now. Mm -hmm. And it, it just barely occurred to me how this is Cleo like at mm -hmm. the point, you know, she goes into her own room and it's kittens everywhere, and her mm -hmm. rich lover shows up just to give her a quick peck. And there, there's a part where when she first gets in there and she changes out of whatever she's wearing, and she lets the hair down mm -hmm. on her head, but later we find out that's a wig. Mm -hmm. Right. So she's just playing this role. Yeah. Until she decides she wants to do something different because she's not happy being where she is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I like the that whole uh, like identity angle uh, thing really stuck when like she's like changing and then she takes off her wig. It's like okay, like she is like like fulfilling a role like that she either is forced into or feels like she. Uh, has to fulfill even if she doesn't even if she doesn't have to she, like there's an ob obligation to like be uh like the version of herself that she presents or in the beginning and like she that there's an early scene in the movie where i think like she's with her maid and that she buys that i think ridiculous fluffy black wintery hat <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you could go outside with that, but it's fine. <laughs> and then she gets to a certain point where she takes that off. Kind of the same idea. It's like, I, I don't know. I took that as like, it's kind of before she meets the soldier when like, I think she, she starts to, to have somebody that understands her and kind of comes down to earth a bit. Um, she, she meets that old friend, right? And yeah. She lit literally gives her hat away. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to be, not the person I am, and this feels like something that she would like, as opposed to what I feel like right now. So, right, you wanted the hat. Yeah, you've been looking at it. Here you go. So it's kind of, and you can see that it almost kind of pains her when she gives it away. It's like I'm not really sure, but this feels like the right thing to do. Yeah, and it definitely is. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's just I don't know. I kind of like when that you see that kind of that transformation happen. Like you said, like she takes off her wig. She's now in like a black dress. Um, and she's just a little bit more natural and it almost seems like she's no longer putting on that show as that like pop singer. And maybe now you're starting to see her as herself. It's like Christopher Reeve's Superman. Like he, he puts on the glasses, 
he stands up straighter and is like, oh, is this a different human? This is a different person entirely. I like how you didn't say Henry Cavill. <laughs> Does he? I, I well, don't remember Man of Steel. More. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't remember Man of Steel. Does he change his like uh, posture and all that shit when he? No, I don't think really. so. Not really. I don't know. I mean, there, there are very few Clark Kent scenes. Yeah. In any of his stuff. Yeah. Okay. Are they even Superman movies? I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. But. Hey, she does Man, have Man Steel has a. Oh, well, Man Steel does have um. Uh, fuck the guy who's terrifying, who's always good and everything. Michael. The guy who's terrifying. Michael Shannon. Yes. Michael Shannon. I haven't seen him in a long time. Where you call him the guy who's terrifying? Uh, he's, on, he's on some... Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a joke. I think it was like a We Hate Movies joke. You could go to lunch with that guy and it could be like... I'm. Oh, no. They, they talked about that Netflix movie that's super weird where he's oh, yeah. the main character. is yeah. like, I am the nicest guy in this town. Like, <laughs> this town sucks. Let's get out of here. <laughs> And they're like saying like that's one of the last episodes I I, I liked, but they're, they're saying like him laughing is terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 but uh, he's he's uh, he's he's doing some mini series where he's I think George Jones. Oh. And uh, he's playing with Pinkins. I forgot who the who the woman is, but it's like George Jones and some other country singer. Which is fine, but I also I want I wanted to play like weird, terrifying characters, not like famous musicians like George Jones. Here, here's the thing: uh, one of his first movies was Groundhog Day, and he's just a gangly kid in there. Like you wouldn't be intimidated by him in that movie. He does a really good job. Like, and who knows? That could have been his personality back then. Back then, and later people were like, "Make an expression." Here's a smile. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was about a, a very slight adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> no WrestleMania for you. Oh, yeah. Alright. Uh okay, so um excuse me. The with the whole Okay, so the uh nudity comes up in this movie with like the sculpture and then the guy at the end who my, my notes are very scattered because like this is a movie where I was like I'm just enjoying this. I'm not taking de- detailed notes at all. I'm just going off of like stuff yeah. I see and why I feel in the moment. Yeah. But like he the guy at the end talks about nudity and mm-hmm. one of the few lines I wrote down was nudity is like summer, it's for everyone. And then Okay. And, yeah. It just stuck out to me at the time. This was like weeks ago, so I don't know why uh-huh. why specifically that line. I remember like there's that scene in the movie, like kind of maybe in the middle of the movie where she goes to see her friend that's like a nude model for artists yes and what i it's i think it's kind of related what i really liked about that scene is because it's from the perspective of corinne and agnes um is it's done in a way that's like um her friend i think it's dorothy if i remember correctly is mm-hmm a person <laughs> not just a, a nude woman in a room that people are sculpting and painting what yeah like did i watch a wrong movie <laughs> what movie did you watch <laughs> it's like i don't know i stopped it i zoomed in what's wrong 
No, but like, cause then she, you know, goes, you know, she goes out with her and she's, you know, she, she drives the vehicle. Apparently that actor, um, I remember watching this somewhere, like didn't actually have her license, like took her driver's like test, like more than once. And then said something like, Oh, I have to just shoot today. Um, and so they, the, the, um, the driving school teacher passed her anyway, even though she failed the test. <laughs> so she could <laughs> go back to the set. So that's that explains some, uh, all the bad drivers out there. But um, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember uh, when I was a teenager, I I got the my uh, marching band actually got to go to Europe. And we were in Ireland. Yeah. And I was staying with the uh, a guy who was a police officer, and he was talking about, you know, the way things were here, and he's like, yeah, just like you know it was, it was in the 90s and he's like yeah like 20 years ago you didn't have to take a driver's test you just went and bought a license <laughs> was like, what holy shit yeah that explains you, you were in marching band yep <laughs> played the trumpet that's news oh, to me that's cool <laughs> i could still do it give me a trumpet hmm. amanda were you a mar- what? very good what? but were you a marching band person uh, no, I did take piano lessons, but I was a competitive cheerleader for 10 years. I didn't do the band. Wow. Oh, oh my niece is doing that currently. Yeah. yeah. She, uh, she, she was doing gymnastics for a bit yeah. and that was too stressful because it's, it's you. If you fail, it's your fault. Yep. Gymnastics. It's fits. very stressful. Yeah. All right, Spencer, she, what's your secret? <laughs> what is your um, secret? I, I did band for like, um, a few weeks and I didn't like it. Play the triangle? No. Um, <laughs> Cowbell. Yes. No, because uh, I, I refuse to learn anything else. I was like, I'll, I'll play bass guitar. You guys can figure something out. Yeah. And they never did. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to bother. Incredibly difficult. I know. There's nothing to... Standing bass. Yeah. Uh, th- that shit's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're buying your own instrument, I guess... They had, we had school equipment that for people that couldn't afford the, to get their own instrument. I, I actually had, I was lucky, I had a trumpet and I had a cornet, which wow. I don't know if you know what a cornet is. Mm-hmm. Just basically a smaller trumpet that's able to get the higher notes. Hmm. And uh, both of them were hand-me-downs, which is funny. Oh. Lucky person. Hmm. But, yeah, my niece is like, is there, it's a short one. She's like, I don't think she'll make it past like five one, honestly. But like she, uh, she's the one who gets flipped in the air, and she's like yep. in her age group above her mm-hmm. normal age because yeah. she's oh. so good to, so good with gymnastics. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only way you can do the the competitive cheerleading element is if you do the the gymnastics and the floor tumbling, um, or else you're just you know standing there waving your arms around and screaming and looking stupid and like a bimbo. <laughs> so it's one or the other in, in the world of cheerleading, it seems. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 well, uh, were you that part or were you like the other part? I don't know what cheerleading I mean, I, stuff is. Sure. So like what people see in the NFL is there are models and professional dancers. Like whenever I see that, I'm like, that is not competitive cheerleading competitive cheerleading is kind of what the movie bring it on is in a way like you have to be able to do like the floor tumbling so like round off back handsprings backflip type stuff back tucks all that type of stuff and then you also have to be able to 
pick up people and throw them or be the girl on top that is getting thrown around. Um, and Oops. this is me doing it like 20 years ago at this point, 10, <laughs> 15, 20 years ago. So I don't know how much different it is now, but you have to do that for three minutes and somehow, you know, jump around and um, do the floor tumbling. And then you all have to do it in sync with each other. Um, and it's it can be exhausting. And if you mess up, then everybody fails because there's a panel of judges. So there's a lot of pressure and stress there. It's not like if somebody hurts themselves, they can just pull somebody off the bench. Um, so it's very um, subjective too, unfortunately. And there's there's favoritism and the politics of it. But um, it's everybody has to be in sync, which is which is stressful. So if if a group of people mess up and you're out there and it's your your three minutes you got to qualify for a states or national competition and somebody messes up it's over for all of you so there's there's that level of pressure that uh girls in high school and college definitely need on top of everything else (laughs) yeah but um it was an experience yep it was an experience should i tell my sister that it it might turn out bad or should (laughs) um well um (laughs) Uh, so when uh, I get when I did it, um, I how do I say this without the podcast shifting from Agnes Varda to competitive cheerleading? Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oof. Um, how do I statement. say this nicely? Um, I my experience was I'm not even kidding you. Like, so I did it in when I started in high school doing it. Um, I remember at my tryouts, my coach literally handed out these waivers or these forms that the parents and um, we had an all girl squad, so you can have like co-ed with guys on the team. We were all girl. Um, and, um, we had to sign away that we wouldn't take vacations for the entire school year, um, and on holidays and weekends and every night during the week before and after school, we would be practicing. Um, so it literally was like my life. Like it was like before school, I was there practicing after school. I was practicing. I was taking gymnastic lessons three days a week. Like we had a coach that did the the gymnastics. We had a coach that did the the choreography dancing. We had like a nutritionist person. Like it was just like ridiculous. Like it is your life. Um, Uh And all summer long, all winter, all fall. And then to qualify for like the competitions, you have to do the football games, the basketball, all this stuff. So you're just every day always doing it. So if her team is serious about the whole competitive thing and, wanting to do well at states to then qualify for nationals it's it's all you do outside of school and it's a good Uh, thing and it can also be a bad thing uh, depending on the mentality of your coaches and how crazy they are about it if that makes any sense yeah it does yeah so um, uh, i've already heard some of that stuff already yeah sisters like absolutely not she needs free time sometimes yeah and then i think just the dynamic of like i said to you if you mess up and they're then it's your fault you know what i mean like and and that's people make mistakes and they're you know she's you said she's in high school um she's uh sixth grade now okay so we're on the cusp of that so like this is when like girls are just mean to each other i mean that was my experience um so and then you've got that pressure so like (laughs) it can be it can be stressful It's, it's not for everyone um, but um, hopefully she has uh, a good team around her and a coach and coaches that are uh, normal. <laughs> yeah. My, I had like a whiplash experience with my coach, like that movie. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I had I had wet black experience with a um uh, a youth orchestra. Oh um, yeah, that, that's guy. great. <laughs> that's yeah. why I never watched the movie Whiplash. I was like, yes. oh, I went through that. I don't want to. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, that was like three years of my life. I'm good. <laughs> yes, that was that was me. So, totally with you there. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's releasing Inland Empire and something called Chilly Scenes of Winter. Ooh, I've heard of that one. I hear Last it's good. Last hurrah for chivalry. Uh, chivalry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the John Woo movie. Yep, John Woo sent and the movie. And you saw who did a cover, right? Tony Stella did the cover. Oh, it's it Tony great. Stella. It looks great. Guy. Yeah. I don't know if he gets residuals, but... I hope so. If, uh, if he, yeah, I really hope so. And Mildred Pierce in 4K. I'm so happy I didn't buy that Blu-ray. I came so close to it. Perfect timing. <laughs> God. I would just, I, I'm an ass. I would rebuy. I, I have rebought all these things. Like, well, they're slightly different. I could better get this version. Oh my God, you're such a nerd. <laughs> yes, I've I only am. rebought the baby. I, ha- I have two copies of that and two copies of the vineyard. Oh. And that's it. Nice. You have two copies of the vineyard. Yes, nice. I do. I found I found that out of print DVD for like 10 bucks. Oh, cool. Uh, like, uh, like five years ago. That's awesome. I, I will never get rid of that DVD. Don't. Um. Anyway, yeah. So, um, can I talk uh, about? Sure, Joel. You can talk for ten minutes now. After. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was playing the trumpet, no. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I just want to say the hat. You're saying it's kind of crazy. It's so ridiculous looking. (laughs) She puts on the black dress with the hat, and then she puts that necklace. I think it looks super cute. That necklace apparently is Agnes Varda's. Ah, that I, mean, I thought was I cool. I could see her wearing it. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I like uh, I like her dress in the, the the polka dot one. It's like well, all all her dresses look nice, but like this, like uh, yeah, it's like like this. Like even though this movie is like about like you know the countdown of getting a medical bad medical news, like it's still pleasant to look at. Like the fashion is good. The like just. Uh, I don't know. It's like everything about like it. It does has a veneer of kind of like of happiness a mm-hmm. bit of where it's like it can appear one way, but if you pay attention, you're like, oh wait, it's not that. Yeah, it's got like the black going on underneath too, and kind of shows. I mean, I don't know. I guess you could look. You maybe maybe could overanalyze it and be like, oh, it's like before she transforms into who she really is at the end. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, and it kind of flows and moves with her nice too, especially since so much of this movie is her just moving around for the the two hours um the five to seven and like on that too like um i remember reading somewhere and then i noticed it when i rewatched it again um this movie every time there's a clock somewhere it's accurate to the time in that segment mm-hmm. i don't know if you both noticed that and that's like a really like cool detail just something extra that i don't think a lot of um movies would would care to to be that detail oriented um yeah but i really like um, that um the only like, movie i can think of is uh high noon okay I remember like the third time i watched high noon i was like wait a second this is in real time because like yeah. it never occurred to me the first two times i watched it because I, <laughs> uh, I, i'm not I, i'm observant but like sometimes i miss glaringly obvious stuff like that what yeah the hell i mean is with the scene where the guy's puts the frogs in his mouth <laughs> sorry yes that street performer That's, yeah it's gross it was very it's like gross 
Am I supposed to give you some money? What? <laughs> right. He's the only he's the only guy in France doing it. That's what he said. <laughs> um, no one else is doing that. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Or like that guy that had like whatever he had through his his bicep. That scene. Yeah. His arm. Yeah. That was that was great. I preferred that over the frogs, though. To be honest. <laughs> oh hell yeah! yeah. I yeah. just imagine those frogs shitting in his mouth because <laughs> they're scared to death. I hope they do. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I don't care. I'm do you crazy. think they're the frogs that get you high? Of course, there's frogs that get you. I mean, do you think those were the frogs that get you high? That uh, is it, Hypnotoad? I was gonna say from uh, Futurama. That one definitely does. Uh, they're probably the kind of frogs that you would actually cook. Aww. Oh yeah, it is. France. I mean, it is France. I, <laughs> I just saw that pinball machine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you so need to take a break? Do you need a Do we need to take a, a fire for you? You know why? So why so I can roll through e- eBay trying to find one? Take oh, forward. yeah. You know, I was gonna say something else, but yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, you 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 thought I would be like yes. No, that that wasn't gonna happen. Okay. Oh, but going back to the nudity thing, like I. Uh, like comparing this the new the in this to the nudity and shoot the piano player mm-hmm. is like in shoot the piano player it's trying to be naturalistic but still like look at this guy he fucks hot women it's the male and, gaze yeah yeah and this one's like oh she's just a person <laughs> amazing huh <laughs> and even though even though Truffaut was like sensitive he still yes. isn't that sensitive right the I mean she goes out trying to just be a normal person you know walking among people and nobody's paying attention to her other than the fact that she's you know a beautiful woman no nobody's like there's that singer i want to get her autograph or or Mm -hmm. something and so when she sees her friend just fully exposed I, i can only imagine that she she can like she can't imagine herself allowing herself to be that sort right. of free yeah because she she does say like she thinks nudity is indecent at least it t- for her it feels indecent and like um the actress too corinne uh, did say she would never do a nude scene I, I can't remember where i read or watched that from so it kind of fits <laughs> good for her exactly yep i also say that <laughs> I will never do a nude scene. Whatever yep. you say. Unless, unless I get ripped. <laughs> then it's yeah, all if, off. If you become Jay Diesel, then yeah. <laughs> you are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen um, Ethan Supley uh, uh, now? Yeah. He got He got ripped. Yeah, he also got a little... You know, he got that fat back a little bit, which is what yeah. happens. Like, your body reaches a certain weight and usually it tries to go back to that thing but yeah he he got super buff yeah like it's didn't, oh. i didn't recognize him in the wolf of wall street it's like his face looks so familiar no oh. yeah. he was in wolf uh, of wall street <laughs> i'm serious <laughs> yeah he was wow. okay huh. <laughs> my, my my go-to ethan sue please always Wait. remember titans Yes, that's all I think but of. Like, that's when Titans. he was. That's that's when he was. I think I think he was out of Vegas back then, possibly. Because 
Yeah. Or, um, not that not that being big is bad, too, but like. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, but uh, yeah. My, my brain always got to remember Titans. Yeah, I remember the Titans definitely. I only because I think he's the one who starts singing. Uh, what's that? Does does the Motown song when they're in the locker room? I think he's the one that starts it. I don't even remember. We don't need to go down this road. I'll remember the song like when we're done recording. Doesn't yes, you have will. A guy from <laughs> Scrubs in it. Donald Faison. Yeah. I feel. It's plausible Donald Faison would have been something like that. That's like Maybe the end of his teenager for like twenty years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then Scrubs happened, and then like, oh, he's an adult now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I haven't brought this up in a while, but uh, aspects of this movie remind me of Daisies in terms of this, like the freewheeling nature of it the way it just like flows between segments and styles mm-hmm. where like this feels and, and also being like very explicitly feminine f- mm-hmm. feminine except you know daisies is is daisies and this is like a more contained uh version of that type of approach yeah daisies is just Daisies is wonderful, but to your point, very different. Kind of like Antonioni's uh, La Ventura and uh, Agnes Varda's Cleo from Five to Seven, like empty. And then there's there's people and models versus naturalistic. But to your point, like it's playful. So I see what you're saying. Very playful. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's another movie that has has a lot about what was going on at the time, but it, it's kind of mixed in in a way that unless you're aware of what it was like in the country at that time it's you don't get the metaphors you don't, you don't right what's going on like this yeah just going back to real life yeah. antonioni does not make real life movies no or he did not rather no and uh i don't know i haven't seen any of the other movies by um what's her name that did daisies oh uh martin knows Vera. how to say her name Vera yes, Chitilova, I think is how you say her name. There we go. Yeah, something like that. Vera Chitilova. I should know. I'm like 25% Czech. Yeah. Oh. That's your job. Ooh. There we go. Can you can you speak Czech? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they called her. The I am Czech sorry, ancestors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well. They call me the Mexican movie lover. There you so go. So we've had <laughs> we've had two uh, Czech people on the show. Oh, cool. It will end at that. They know why. Let's see. What did you guys think of the soldier? Because at first, when he starts talking to her, I was like, oh, this creep. Like, this is just some, like, guy, like, trying to hit on her and, and have, you know, conversation with her. But then it just turns out that they just kind of have this um, chemistry and she kind of just invites him into her world and it's and then he's like on a bus talking about trees with her and everything and it just kind of works and it seems like she's finally found somebody that understands her yeah. it's um because he's he, he is going away like the next day isn't he yeah he thing? is he said he was like at the end of his leave and he was in that was that was his last day or something yeah because that feels like a uh a Jacques de me mm-hmm. <laughs> thing of like you find the perfect man uh, but but he, but he's going off the war. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
he, I mean, it works in a way for her to fall for this guy because he doesn't know who she is once again. Right. He's falling for a beautiful woman, obviously. Kind of, it starts off kind of creepy, like yeah, <laughs> over by the waterfall. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And um, just just instead of him being trying to be somebody who's seducing her, he starts to act like a normal person having a conversation, which begins to win her over, you know, make her feel um, comfortable. He, like, he streets her as a human being. He sees past the... I don't remember. I, don't, I didn't write this down, but does he know she's a pop singer? I don't think or, so. I don't know, Joel, if you remember, but I don't think he knows. As far as I remember, he does not know yeah. she's the pop singer. Yeah. She might bring it up, but I don't... Yeah. I don't remember. It's like by that time they're they're riding the trolley together and yeah, you f- feel the connection of what they're talking about. Same thing with her friend, the uh, the model. It, it just it feels natural in a way that talking to her maid, talking to those uh, assholes. Yes. <laughs> music. You mean Michelle Legrand? Yes. Composer. <laughs> that jerk. Yeah. yeah. He's like calls <laughs> her a spoiled brat and things like that. Yeah. It's a stressful life. Mm-hmm. You have to have empathy, even though you think this person hasn't made it's, yeah. Like she's putting on that that performance, like we talked about, that's just superficial. It seems, and she doesn't have any real deep relationships where there's trust with anybody until she gets, you know, has this conversation with this initially what I felt was a creepy, <laughs> a creepy guy at the waterfall. That then just turns out that they have that that deeper understanding, and I guess a part of it is kind of like that somewhat of a, a trope with with movies and just storytelling in general where somebody doesn't know who somebody is so then there's a deeper connection there um mm. now yeah, that the, i know that this the girl God, doesn't know uh, how to drive yes she doesn't know how to drive <laughs> uh, the, the guy has a um he has a face that would be in a pasolini movie he does yeah he does is that to insinuate that he it looks normal. <laughs> yes. No, but like, it has like a gruffness that you would see like in a Pasolini movie. That's a good point. It does. Yeah. I mean, the Pasolini, yeah, he definitely picks actors in, a, in, that have this normality about them and, and the gruffness when it comes to things like uh pigsty and, um, <clears throat> Arabian, Arabian nights. Is that what it's yes, called? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Arabian nights. Yeah. And, A.K.A. But, the one with uh, all a penis every scene, basically. Basically. <laughs> he also loves hands. You think, <laughs> you think yeah, of, that's uh, true. Uh, not Malcolm McDowell. Terrence Stamp, right? Yeah, Terrence Stamp. And that's he makes such an impression because he is not one of those normal people. Mm-hmm. And that you know, I, I wish I could go back in time and re redo that mm-hmm. episode because. Mm-hmm. Just over these months, I keep thinking about it and reappreciating the whole thing in a way because I think I was baffled. Mm-hmm. The first mm-hmm. Oh, so you understand why I'm so obsessed with that movie? No, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you, but anyway. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Young Terrence Stamp and Teorama is just like godly. He's so yeah. just so his, beautiful. <laughs> he should have had OnlyFans for God's sake. Um, I'll pay for feet pics. Come on, take them off. Yeah, if only they did in, like, what, 1968 or 69, if only. 
Uh, no, but yeah, yeah. there. When it comes to normality in this movie, since we're focusing on Cleo, yeah. it, once again, Cleo's a very beautiful woman, but there is something, and I don't know if it's because she's purposely, you know, the actress is playing this sad character. Mm-hmm. So when we see her smile, sometimes it's just kind of like a reaction because she knows that somebody's expecting her to. And most of the time, she has practically a frown. She's constantly worrying about the uh, cancer mm-hmm. uh, information that she's waiting from. She's She doesn't like hearing herself. <laughs> she sings songs for a living. She doesn't want to hear it. That was funny. <laughs> like, people just coming up to her, like... Eh, the one thing it doesn't really get into is like the men being all swarming in France, except for that scene where she's in a taxi and that asshole's like, "Hey, do you live with your parents?" Oh, <laughs> what a snob! <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah, God. That, that melancholy is—it's it, beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's not like this is a starlet acting. No. It, it really feels so natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, that's like, going back to the faces thing, like, a French face does, like, like, Italy was really, went really went through some shit. And, like, when you watch, uh, like, Italian movies of the era, people just kind of look a bit rougher, a bit more over it, a bit, like... <laughs> They've life been sucks it. yeah yeah and we watch like french movies from the era it's like everyone is uh not prettier but like you can it doesn't you can tell france didn't have as rough of a time with shit as um italy i mean they were occupied yes but, but like italy had some chaotic times uh you could say that italy didn't have enough of that because they're going back on uh <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, they just parked near the movie theater. It's an element, <laughs> Elmer mm-hmm. Gantry. I don't know if you guys know that movie. But uh, the French no. name is oh, Le Charlatan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, um, you're giving away the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot what I was talking about. Sorry. Talking about Italy and fascism, I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't fucking know. I mean, fascists are like taking over again in there. Yeah. Like, I mean, Pasley warned them in the seventies, and then, well, we know what happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gambling debt. No, I don't know. Yeah, he just accidentally ran out. That some some random person ran over him with his own with Pasley's own car several times. There's nothing weird about that. That's a totally normal thing to happen. Yeah, it's like that guy that like accidentally got dropped out of a uh, you know whatever story building. <laughs> oh yeah, Jose Tommy. He just kind of he killed himself. There's nothing weird about that. No, don't absolutely. look. Don't look into it. It's totally normal. Yeah, totally normal. It's sad. Yeah, this is really sad. It really is. Uh. Um. So. Um, I don't know. Okay, um, so I'm not sure if you guys watched the bonus thing. Oh, oh, go ahead. The bonus thing. 
the bonus what was the bonus thing interview with her um on Criterion Channel there's a thing with Madonna in the early 90s oh, I didn't watch that where no. <clears throat> it was it was more interesting than I, than I thought because Madonna is someone like I always think is like she's a she actress and then I remember like a league of the rounds like oh yeah she can be good just she it needs to be the right yeah. circumstances she did but, fine uh, in Evita, you know <laughs> although that's not her race <laughs> eh Kumail's in the new series playing an Indian person. He's Pakistani. Oh my god. Yeah. What is it going to but, uh, Yeah, he's Do playing Americans the owner. Know the difference? <laughs> they no. don't, unfortunately. It's kind of like, have we talked about this before? How like Netflix makes sure every time we're in Mexico that the background is very orangey? <laughs> oh, I haven't been to Mexico. I can confirm. Everything's orange. Okay, oh, thank okay. you. <laughs> no, uh, like Kamel's playing the owner of Chippendales, the first owner, and oh, he was yeah. murdered, okay. and, or something. Yeah. Wow. And the guy was Indian. I think he actually came came uh, immigrated. He wasn't Indian American. Hmm. It's a weird story. I I don't know if I'll watch a series. It seems a little too prestige TV for my taste. Uh, okay. So the Madonna Madonna thing, Agnes. Um said that uh, she thought Madonna would be a good fit for American adaptation, mm-hmm. but she said that she would only allow it if the if the production team made it in a style similar to Varda. And at the time, they didn't uh, uh, they didn't agree to that. They're like they would change the style of it, and so Varda didn't give them her blessing and allow them to uh, do the remake of it. But Varda did say she thought Madonna was a good natural actress, and would be able to fulfill like the, the uh, the role. I don't know how I feel about that. As amazing exactly. and as great as Agnes was, like Agnes is one of the greats. But like, because the whole point of the French New Wave is that it's the opposite of the mainstream structured film system. So I don't really, you know what I mean? Like I don't know how that would work. Yeah, like I'm, I'm. It's probably for the better. Agnes yeah. said, uh, "No." Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Because Madonna did did ruin a a Lena Vertmuller movie. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> her husband filming it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, she still was the actor in it. But here, let me propose. Something. Okay. Just think about the Breathless remake. We could have had something as nutball as that. That is true. Breathless remake is great. Yep. And is on Tubi still. Oh, God. Is this the 80s one? Because I barely remember it with, like, Richard Gere. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, I love that movie. It's, really? All right, fine. I, I'll rewatch it. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, both of us got super charmed by it. And it's like, this is a shitty movie. But also... Okay. <laughs> have to watch it again <laughs> yeah um uh there's a godar joke in it that i missed the first time where oh, one yeah. of the one of the cop characters quite a bit <laughs> where it goes like he oh he'll put a name johnny goddard it's like oh what? okay i just got that joke now <laughs> <laughs> god all right i'm moving it up on my watch list now that you said that another one no. here you go you got me <laughs> yeah, and you get um 
uh, Richard, you could see Richard's gear, too, in one scene. Yes, you do. All right. Well, yeah, there's a lot of blatant female nudity, but yeah. Well, the first nudity is Richard, then then it's the woman. Yeah. Hmm. Not too long ago, I watched the uh, quote-unquote documentary Madonna Truth or Dare, and that kind of changed my way of how I saw her at the time. But I, not that I had a strong opinion of what kind of person she would, but yeah. I don't know. She like I feel like if I hung out with her, I'd be super irritated. <laughs> yeah, she's one of those people that I. I I don't like necessarily, but I kind of respect because she's somehow so relevant, but she also isn't great at the same time for a variety of reasons. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there, just passively accepting it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more like she's fine. They're, they're, they're the worst people in pop culture. Yeah. It's kind of how I approach any Star Wars conversations on Twitter. I'm just like, hey, let them do their thing. <laughs> Not gonna say. That's me with James. That's me with yeah. James Bond. It's like I get too intense about this, so I will stay out of this. I'll let people have their opinions. Yep. And not already, argue about this. They already murdered my childhood likes and dislikes, so like they can keep doing it, and I'm over here off in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I still have it. not watched No Time to No Time to Die, No Time to Kill, whatever you call it thing. No time to die. No time to die. That one. Yeah, it's still one yeah. of those, like the you know what I um, to that series because it's disappointing and he dies. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, he dies. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. That. Um, I don't care. <laughs> I, those movies are just like alert. I'm super serious. I'm James Bond. Uh, no fun, except for not, except a, for Skyfall. That's I the fun one. A problem because it like the first one is super serious, and I kind of like that. It was a change from. Um, how silly they get, but uh, something yeah. is that it, they always start off serious, and it just gets progressively sillier. Although I haven't, I have not seen a single Roger Moore Bond movie, so I'm not sure really? about that. Uh, yeah. Moore is my guy. I love the silly Bond. Yeah. yeah see, I don't I know. I'm guy. I'm very old school. Like Goldfinger is still my favorite. Yes. Because I rewatched all of them, and I was like, yeah, Goldfinger's still my favorite. But yeah, in terms of, like, I, I, go ahead. I love Thunderball. Thunderball's and I good. know, like, uh, objectively, like, the underwater stuff is really slow <laughs> and not <Nice>. great. <laughs> but I, I, I find that movie so charming. And oh there's God. also um, a hot redhead in it, so that like, also, like, <laughs> That's what it elevates really it a yeah. bit. Um, no, nah, like, I love, um, for Roger Moore, like, The Spy Who Loved Me, I think that's the best one. Like, if you're gonna watch any of them, Joel, like, that one's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, like, the legit best one. Yeah. And, but, uh, Moonraker is, like, the silliest, oh, most Jesus, ridiculous nonsense. <laughs> and that one is just, like, good lord, this is, like, it's it is bad, but dated. I love it so yeah. much. I heard it has a pigeon double take. <laughs> that... Wait, yes, the, you yes, need that to see it. Double take. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Pierce Brosnan was definitely my guy because he was, his movies were coming out when I was going to movies. And, like, I still like Goldeneye a lot. Yeah. Especially since it introduced me to Sean Bean, who just became one of my favorite actors altogether. Yeah. And, but, you know, the next one, Tomorrow Never Dies, kind of silly. Not, it's not great. 
Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's always Die Another Day. That one's a classic. Uh, Speaking of Madonna. Speaking about Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Speaking the... I'm dying. That's the one Bond theme. I have a, a couple collections of Bond themes. Yeah. That's the one I always skip. I can't listen to that song. Really? It's, a, it's the worst Bond theme. <laughs> I just remember that music video, and I was just like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> But, uh, uh, um, a friend friend of the show, a friend in real life, Darren uh, Husted. Yeah. Uh, he he, uh, he had the um, podcast, the Prince one, going through every single Prince song. Yeah. Which is fucking insane because Prince made so many songs. Yeah. He he thought of doing a Madonna one. Yeah. But he told me, but he said like I'd have to um talk about mo- uh, albums from after 1997. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like. Speaking of like Bond themes, like I really like the Duran Duran of You to Kill one. <laughs> yeah. That one's cool. But like at the same time, like I think that's when John Barry, I think it was the last time he did like the Bond score. I think, I think he's like, I don't remember what the quote was exactly, but he was like, I'm done. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like, yeah, he's like, so thankfully he didn't make it to the Madonna doing the Die Another Day. <laughs> And you can just like feel, like as they go on, you can just when I rewatched him, I was like, you can feel that he's no longer present. Like even though some of the themes are still good, you're like, yeah, he definitely pieced out. Like <laughs> he's not yeah, there he, anymore. He he, he falls in the uh, uh, Ennio Morricone Morricone category of yes. like uh, like when he really gives a shit, it's amazing. Yes, but he can phone it in and it's still good enough. Yeah, it's literally like what John Williams did with the sequel trilogy where you're like, oh, none of these are memorable. Like, <laughs> we're phoning it in. <laughs> I'd, I'd argue Lincoln, his score for Lincoln's pretty generic too. Yeah. yeah. It's still good, but still like, you could try more. Yeah. Jay Wills? Yeah. Yes. F- on, for Lincoln. That score is just not Isn't not, his not son good. in a famous band? It's Probably. It's, I'm sure the nepotism's everywhere in Hollywood. <laughs> like, <laughs> So uh, this movie is kind of interesting. Um, it's also about a singer. Yes. Yes. Let's yeah, go like, to the park. It's hard for me to talk about because, uh, like, it's more like I'm more feel this movie than like you know, mm. I don't know how to explain beyond that. But like, it's more of like this emotional response than is like like a Pasolini thing where it's like let's get into like Italian politics. And in, in, yes. in the weird artsy stuff, this is like, like I, just, uh, I don't know. It's like I, just, yeah, that's it. I have nothing yeah. to say. No, I'm I'm with you because like, at the every time I rewatch this, I like Cleo more and more than I did before, and I feel like I notice more things. And then only like the last couple of times I rewatched it did I realize like, okay, I think this is like a perfect movie. Like I I'm agreeing with you know all those lists of you know, the must-see French New Wave films and, like, but, like, there's something interesting about this one. Like, it's not... I feel like sometimes these must-see movies, when I've initially watched them, feel like it's almost like a chore and it's like a a homework assignment and I have to watch it. But this one, kind of like what both of you said earlier, is very playful and um, natural. And when I was re-watching it, um, I was like, I'm not taking any notes because I'm kind of just enjoying this experience of seeing how she changes later in the movie as a person and then even when she hears the bad news, um, how she accepts it um, and just uh, just being in this 
this kind of in this it feels like I almost wasn't in a time machine and kind of seeing what what that city was like in the 60s and then I just kind of to your point like those feelings and those emotions and like almost like getting the smells and the sounds of 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 Paris at the time so just kind of experiencing it entirely but uh, that's kind of the way this movie is to me I don't know if you guys feel the same way but it's just kind of a, a fun experience and even though it's I don't know the French language and I'm reading the subtitles as I go um it is something that I can kind of just kind of experience and not have to overthink and kind of notice fun things as I go and it just I don't know it's it's also relatable like I, I like how she is unable to really express who she is and she doesn't have people that understand her and then she encounters somebody at the end that does yeah uh, this is an, yeah, another French movie we talked about where in the subtitles when they say name a street yeah they use their French word their, their French uh, word for street yes not the English word for street yeah and it's such a weird thing like is street just like too many letters half the time like why why is it always the French word for street? I don't know. Yeah. What's the French word for street? Uh, Rue. Uh, yeah. R-U-E. It's a better word. Sounds. It is sounds a better dramatic. word. Doesn't it? Yeah, I guess One it's more... Rue racers. I got my car down there. How would that be? Rue at a mile. I don't know enough French to know what street racer would be. That would be more of a... Uh, uh, casual uh a slang thing mm. than like proper but uh did you guys and also um, i know a thing oh go ahead i'm sorry and sometimes i i know it's like train station is in is a french word in subtitles with some of these movies or the metro is what they call it yeah Subway. or uh lagar which is the french word for train station Yep. Which is a, a lot shorter, which probably why, maybe that's why it's a shorter way to say it. Not sure. Not sure. Um, would, I don't know if you watched or read anything on, I can't remember if it was um, uh, like a, a special like bonus feature or interview or whatever, but there was at some point Agnes Varda mentioned that one of her inspirations for this movie was the the famous um, German artist uh, Hans Boldung Green's um, his paintings he did with like naked women with like skeletons. Do you guys do you, have you guys read or watched anything on that? Because I thought that that was interesting. Oh, and, no. No, and like there is uh, there's a famous painting he did of like um, what's it called Death Death and the Maiden I think or. Um, I've heard of that. I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Yeah, um, I mean, if you were to Maiden. Google it, it's interesting because it's literally um exactly that it's a like voluptuous naked woman and a skeleton kind of like behind her and um kind of uh i think it's from the 16th century if i remember right um but she said that that was at some point i can't remember if i read this or i watched this in some bonus feature that she always had that painting and that artist in mind when she made this and I thought that that was interesting because um, I, I guess she's just kind of saying that there's that lingering death or that fear of death in, in Cleo's mind, of course, as she's waiting for the biopsy results. But I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you guys saw or read that. 
I mean, just I, I got, I'm looking at the painting now, and just yeah, the, the melancholy displayed and like yeah, sort of shadow of death be, constantly yeah. behind you. Yeah. When she finally allows herself to relax, and it takes almost till the end of the movie when she meets someone who seems so full of life, but is also, a, you know, practically a nobody. But right. She's, she relates to this uh, short king who's a <laughs> yes. He's kind of a dork. He he he's a little awkward when he's asking questions and things like that. And it's like this is. This is what normal people are. This is yeah. who I am, and I just don't think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't. Know. I just thought it was interesting because it's not a pl- the most pleasant painting. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. It is definitely a little disturbing, and I, especially if you think about when it was painted. Um, and that must have been shocking at the time. Um, but. I don't know. I just thought that that was so. She's clearly heavily focused on that lingering death and that stress of death. And then, of course, I feel like when you watch the movie, because the movie's short. Like I didn't realize that when I watched it, and I was like, "Wow, this is like barely an hour and a half." Like it's not like Avatar two that's like almost four hours long or whatever. But like, <laughs> um, it just has this like speed to it. Like before you know it, the next scene it's it's going to you know it's we're getting closer to to the, you know that seven o'clock. Um, and so you can, I kind of like, I think like the painting, you can feel that weight of that tension and how anxious she is and, and nervous she is about those results, which I think she kind of already knows what they're going to be, but still she's got that, like that fear hanging over her. So I don't know the painting, the painting kind of, I think really kind of shows that, that weight and that when you know that this is what inspired her or helped her, you know, kind of create and mold and um just this movie in general like and, and you see that this is her inspiration behind it you're like wow okay like and then i i knew that when i rewatched it and i was like all right this movie's a little darker than it initially appears <laughs> with what she's experiencing yeah it's funny. Uh, yeah the, um i'd say <clears throat> happiness is my favorite farda so far yeah but cleo is objectively better hmm it's more complete not that happiness is not complete but like it's uh it is what it is but like cleo is like oh this is like a like like i thought this was army of shadows the melville movie like everyone kept saying army of shadows yeah. is the best movie ever made then i watched it and i'm like oh this really is the best movie ever made <laughs> yeah, and, and so- cleo was another one's like yeah this is one of the best movies ever made <laughs> period <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's what I thought about love. Uh, I mean, Amanda, what's your take on Army of Shadows? I love Army of Shadows. I need to rewatch it. I think it's great. But to your point, it's like every time I'm like, oh yeah, I agree. This is the greatest movie ever made. I have another one because I'm like another movie that I think is is perfect. That's hers. Is 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 Vagabond? I love Vagabond. Oh yeah, that one I don't want to rewatch because it might be too sad. It's very sad. I mean, it begins with. The woman dead. <laughs> yep. Covered yeah. in like, like ice. Yeah. Hmm. Once again, you know the story. Yeah. And then it starts. I mean, I think La Pointe Court is a is a perfect movie, and mm-hmm. I don't. If somebody was be like, I don't know why you would think it's perfect. I, I'd be like, I understand why you would say that because yep. it's 
unusual in a way in a mixture of of non-actors what? and the two performers uh, doing the stereotypical okay I'll text uh, them. you know no. like when people make fun of art movies it's kind of like what those guys are doing you know just kind of oh there we go spouting poetry what what did i disappear you did disappear yes. i thought we lost you oh sorry That's i was okay. just talking about how great love point court is <laughs> it okay. is great i agree with you uh yeah i got not much else to say um besides this movie is available cleo is a classic uh it it's easy to find mm-hmm and I don't remember if I said this when we recorded the final, final episode, but I still stand by my statement of Black Girl is one of the best French New Wave movies, if not the best French New Wave movie. Yeah, it's great. I agree with it. Mm. I mean, the, the thing is, is there's so many, like, and yeah. that's kind and like of, some, yeah. there's so yeah, some many. Some gets forgot. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go uh, ahead. Some kind of gets forgotten in the loop. Yeah, there's just... When, like, Black Girl should count. Yes. Um, there's just... it's There's just a, a wealth of... of um, movies in the French New Wave that are, that are absolutely worth your time. And anybody's time. And I think, like... It was funny, I was, when I was re-watching this again, um, and there's so many long takes in it, and, and just all the different uh, things you would expect from a French New Wave movie, I think because it's gosh like 60 years now this movie's 60 years old um we we all of us and anybody that watches it now doesn't realize how fresh and new these movies were at the time and how different they were because everything now or up until now has just been taking ideas and styles and camera angle choices and also sorts of things from from these movies um and this is where like I think we're starting to forget about these things and we're reverting back to why the French new wave started to begin with, um, to kind of pull away from that structured, sterile studio system. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think the system had some benefits like, yeah. um, you know, like if you're constantly working all the time, you can kind of, if you're good enough, you develop shortcuts and you yeah. can be like a John Ford. Right. But not, not everyone was like a Howard Hawks or John Ford. No, but I don't know. Like, cause another, um, thing that I love in film history with pre-code Hollywood, that thirties period, early thirties, when we didn't have any sort of control or rating system or anything <laughs> rules and, those movies also feel incredibly modern, just like French New Wave films do. Um, I feel we're in that period again of that just stagnant, sterile, um, socially conservative, but to a point that's like really restrictive. And um, the, they're, they don't make movies for like movies, like mainstream movies. Yeah. Hollywood stuff isn't like made for adults that much. It's not anymore. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Tent pole. Yeah. It's like you have to you have to dig a little deeper to find more like more like not not more mature but uh less sterile, more like real. You know, yeah, yeah. more real stuff. Cuz even, you know, when um you know, Disney is the the easiest example is um oh, we've got, you know, all this representation happening and then you go on Twitter and you know, people are like, "Oh, thank God, finally." And it's like, "Well, you didn't What do you mean finally?" Like 
Like this is very forced and it's not natural and it's not real. And these things have happened before. (laughs) So it's just, you know, I think to that, that point of just, I guess there's a short term memory loss with the general public, unfortunately, but there's also that misunderstanding and there's no curiosity and wanting to explore and try things and challenge yourself. And I think we're, unfortunately at that period again where we need some other french new wave or something similar to it um to kind of emerge which i feel like is kind of like a pendulum it probably will at some point and we've just swung back over to the controlled stagnant um boring sterile um unnatural type of mainstream movie making which is what spawned the french new wave to begin with um even though we still kind of see a lot of these techniques right now but we're definitely there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. French like French movie is great, but also it kind of caused the problem of the mainstream French movies of the era yeah. are kind of lost yes. and not talked about. And yeah. like there are, there are plenty of movies I want to see, but I have no clue how to find them. Yeah. Because, you know, like, because Godard and Truffaut were like, these are bad movies. Yeah. And so therefore we don't talk about them. Yeah. It's We've been talking about that since the first season. I remember specifically being like, there's all these Japanese movies that I'm never going to see because mm-hmm. there's just no access. Right. Um, well, it depends. It does depend, but at the same time, it like... Depends. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> like, even well, with it, yeah. all the streaming options, like, they're still controlled to such a degree that, like, you know, I mean, it. not everything is available unless you do like nefarious pirating means which i always try not to do because i want people that make these movies to get the money that they deserve so they make more mm-hmm. yeah but there's also some movies i'm like i have to see this and yeah i i've i found some like japanese movies that have never come out over here yeah and like so, and, so and, and, right yeah yeah and the thing is like a lot of them are, are like just in japan and like same, yeah. like probably with France, like a lot of them are probably just in France, and like uh, no one, like no major label, has decided to collect them yet. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know, if labels like Criterion stop releasing Disney Pixar movies and they do that, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. They. I. 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 I think they lost their their cool edge a while ago now it's just like what's the yeah. trendy movie we can get so we can still have money because yeah. like you can't keep you can't keep doing smaller scale stuff forever because like at some point you kind of have to make money which that's is true i mean the I get sad that part decision. of it yeah that is a sad part and i understand that but at the same time yeah they're gonna make millions hopefully based off <sighs> that wally release and and that will keep them going so that they can release things like like Atlantics, which you would think would be easy enough to release since it was a net, you know a Netflix exclusive thing. And, but right, and they keep releasing Netflix, Netflix movies. Yeah. 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 There's some movies that came out on Netflix that have never had physical releases, and then, you know this is an old complaint, but like I yeah. would love to have certain movies. On yeah. a physical disc because yeah. of the. Ever, well, I got one that everyone talks about nonstop. But the night comes for us. Oh yeah, that needs a Blu-ray. That movie's great. That needs that needs something. That that's like, that, that that's like the proper raid sequel we will never get because yeah. there will never be a third raid movie, and that's the closest we'll ever get to it. I love the first two. 
and Night Contrast fucking rules. And <clears throat> there's some legit like wrestling moves in it, um, mixed with the brutality, which mm-hmm. I love. I need to rewatch but, it. But yeah, before it leaves Netflix, and then I can't watch it. <laughs> I don't think I know what you guys are talking about. It's an action movie. Oh, okay, that's it, why. I it's the it. the rate. I think two of the raid, the the two stars from the first raid movie, yeah. are the stars of it. Oh, that's cool. I, I love that. Are also in. They're in they're Force also in, Awakens. Like, one of the Star briefly, Wars sequel trilogy movies or something, aren't they? I think oh. it's Force Awakens. They have a brief part in. Really? That's what it was. I remember it was one. Of I remember. Yeah. Yes, I remember in the theater like being excited. Like that's my favorite part. Being movies. like, it's those guys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know them so well, like Ico okay, or something. So, uh, Ico, I don't want to say his name. Before that, huh? Oh, the, the end of the movie. The end. When we get revealed of uh, Cleo five to seven, she finally, the doctor she's been waiting for this whole time, like actually, just like appears, into, like a magical entity. And I always reveals. Yeah. Without saying the word cancer, that mm-hmm. she has cancer. I, it's it's funny you say that because I always feel when I've I've seen this movie I don't know how many times now and recently I rewatched it like a few times but like I always feel like it was like okay was I not paying attention to something did I miss her actually having somebody talk to her on a phone like a nurse or the physician and say I am so sorry you uh, have you have cancer like I always feel like I've missed that scene because of the way he just says oh yeah your radiation treatment you know we're gonna start that <laughs> and it makes me think to um, an experience I had with a physician where um, he didn't tell me he was going to remove a tube I had coming out of my back because I have kidney problems and he just kind of yanked mm-hmm. it out of me um <laughs> didn't say anything so that's that's yeah that's professional yeah so like that's what it made me think of it's kind of just like you're not personable and saying hey i'm sorry you have this and we need to do these things in order for you to get better um and they just kind of like i said yank that tube out of your back like and that's what they did to her so it's weird because like i always make a point like when when i really want to focus and enjoy and watch a movie and not miss things i make a point to take my phone and anything that could distract me and keep it far away from me and i always feel like i'm like wait a minute did i not pay attention did i miss that scene because it's just so removed and awful it's very um it, it would make me um really unhappy with that physician if that's how he told me I had something really wrong with me. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm not going to tell you, but you know what? Um, we're going to run some tests and do these things, and yeah, you know, you'll be okay. It's just awful how she learns about it. But that's what it made me think of. It made me think of an experience I had where they just hmm. yank it out of you and say, hey, yeah, here you go. <laughs> she, it's she takes yeah. it. Yeah, and it's almost like you see kind of this weird relief on her face because yeah. Just it's ripping off the band-aid. She finally got, you know, got this the uh yeah. got what got the answer she wanted. Not that she wanted, but like she finally got the got an answer. Yeah. There's no more words. <laughs> it's just them walking and at the end they they look at each other and it, it it reminds me of the end of the graduate except for <laughs> that ending was not happy. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and this having this ending actually feels hopeful, which is like she just she just got told she's got cancer, but this look in her eye is like, hmm, life is worth living. Yeah, the way she looks at him. And there's, um, 
uh, I think it was a special Criterion supplement or something but like Agnes mentioned and she said she never says to anybody and it was in this this supplement she did that um she reshot the end sequence and had to get permission for it and worked on it for a few months because she noticed in like final editing that that last very last scene where um Corinne um and I think his name is Antoine the soldier look at each other and make eye contact after she learns that she needs a radiation treatment that what's in the background is out of focus so she got permission to reshoot it and then she said that the reshoots they didn't have any chemistry anymore those two actors and it just was awful so she went and reused the original shot because they they shot the film in chronological order which I also thought was cool that's crazy yeah because that's not normal at all (laughs) yeah and so i think maybe that like kind of led to their chemistry working and just that natural flow where they could live and be those characters and it just kind of worked um so it's probably why that her original ending made sense and her reshoots didn't but she said i don't know and she said and and it was funny in this supplement or something she said something like and now i'm telling you this and i probably shouldn't have (laughs) because nobody ever noticed (laughs) it um but i thought that was interesting so when you watch that very last scene before it cuts to black is, and they make that eye contact, the background's out of focus, and Agnes was really unhappy with that. And I almost think that works. Though. It does work. I agree with you. Yeah, because you only want to see yeah. both of them. If, right. Because it felt felt like um, La Pointe Court. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's. Th- the whole time we've seen everything else going on in the background every part of the world and that's like one of the reasons the movie is so good is like you like you keep saying like we're seeing that time period the buildings the people and all that stuff and in the end when she finally gets that message it's no longer her and the world it's just her and this this guy she's being noticed yeah and Mm -hmm. And, like, in my opinion, I don't think she is by anybody else in her life up to that point. No. Mm-hmm. They're She's seeing kind the of star. A tool. Yeah, they're seeing the star. They're not seeing the her as a person. <coughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so back to cheerleading. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whiplash, the cheerleading <laughs> edition. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't get me started on that movie. Yeah. I'm, I was Whiplash or? Nope. Oh, well, yeah. You, you, I, I already said why I never watched it. I probably never will. Don't if you had a uh, coach that was intense is the nicest way to put it. <laughs> I mean, I did have the, the youth orchestra guy who was yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Don't, don't if you know anything about how jazz music works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Yeah, uh-uh. I mean, that guy loves jazz because in the next movie he does some weird, th- uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the racial stuff of um, La La Land. Oh, because that's kind of strange. I Cho- some choices he made. Well, on La La Land, like I really liked that movie the first time I liked it, and then when I watched it again, I was like, the there, this is embarrassing. <laughs> like it was like when you when you think about. Hollywood and like Ginger Rogers and and just that level and that expertise of dancing and it's just like it's like baby's first <laughs> dance moves it was just like all right I'm all set <laughs> so all of that is like uh, even just structurally and and the choreography I was like oof like I can't rewatch this <laughs> like 
Yeah. yeah. The John Legend character stuff is like, yeah. huh, this is, uh, what are you doing here exactly? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Other people have, have discussed it better than I have. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this movie is available yeah. everywhere. Um, basically. And it's, um, yeah, actually a, a lot of movies. I, I would say this is a, well, I, I maybe not start with this one. No. Work work up to it, but uh, but there's just, there are so many movies. Like I don't know where it would be a I good mean, place to start for Varda. I yeah, go ahead. I mean, I mean, if if anybody was going to be like, I have to buy like one mega awesome Criterion Collection set, I would say like it's either at the Agnes one or the Ingmar Bergman one. Like, if you only had to pick one. I think, like, she just has such a wealth of amazing, great, important movies. Um, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I, I started with La Pointe Court because that was her first one. But I don't know if that's the best place yep. to start. And I feel as I rewatch them and I explore them, I love them and appreciate them more. And they feel less like I'm going through a checklist of the movies I must see and they just start to become like what I said with this like I normally I take notes when I watch movies especially if I'm going to talk about them and this I just kind of each time I rewatched it I'm like yeah I'm not doing that I'm just gonna experience it for what it is and see if I notice new things and that that's how her movies are they're they're like important and they have interesting messages but they're not preachy and they're natural and so it's this weird combination of somebody that was incredible at what she did and it's it's sad that we've lost her yeah, she yeah. lived a long good life you know, she got yeah. to live it to makes me so happy she yeah. lived to you know see have people be like i love you and your work is great yeah lost her husband way yeah. back in the what was it the yeah. 70s or the 80s uh, I think it was the 80s when Demi died. Yeah, and she died in 19, I think. So she was without him for some time. She was over 90, I think. Because like it Sounds was her. Right. I think she's born in the late 20s, if I remember right. Yeah, she's like so, she's yeah. was around my grandma's age. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like her, but, like her dying, and then Lena Vermeuler's like the two great like l- little ladies of cinema are gone. <laughs> yeah, and I like what I like both of them were like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I find it fascinating. Like the the two like most iconic uh, like European direct female directors, well directors period are like these like tiny like five foot women who made these yes. like, contra- like con- uh, confrontational like transgressive movies yeah it's it's awesome i mean i like i mean excuse me i like that um i think martin score says he said she's like one of the the gods or something she said of of movies or of cinema and he's right like i the more i watch her movies i'm like wow like we have it reminds me of like kurosawa or like ingmar bergman where there's just such a a, a wealth of amazing perfect movies that just is like inhuman honestly like how do you do that um, and, and that's, I think that's important because a lot of times I, I've read and I don't remember who the, the writers were or, but they sometimes say she's the grandmother or the whatever of, of French new wave. And I think that does her a disservice. Like it's, she's more than that. And I think a lot of people 
are still learning who she is, which is exciting, but need to really kind of just dive in and explore her movies and, um, for what they are because they're, they're definitely experiences and she has a, a different vibe than a lot of the other French new wave directors do. That's, that's the thing. Like Agnes Varda is pr- one of the best arguments for the auteur theory because yes. her movies are her movies. Yes. Like that weird hybrid of the documentary realist thing, which Italian near realism also has, but it has it in a different way where it's like, you feel like you're walking on the, it has a different, it's almost like a more positive feeling to like, to your point of what it is with Italian near realism. Like if it's uh, like bicycle thieves, it feels like you're, you really feel that like it, it's the country at that time is just in such disarray and, and in rebuilding even though France went through a similar thing, it just feels almost more empty and sad and depressing. And with, with her, there's this positivity and this, this, that just kind of somehow always exists. And it's just, it's, it's an experience. And, and I think that that's something that it kind of transcends a lot of other movies that you can watch. And it's, um, it it definitely sets her apart, even from the French new wave, um, directors that were influential. Like she's, clearly one of the best ones in my opinion um, because all our movies are just so they also are so different from each other even though she's obsessed with the beach she's always talking about the beach or she's on the beach <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there's yeah, uh, you know uh, uh, yeah. yeah going back to something we talked about in the first varda one we did with you yeah um varda did call herself a feminist yeah and I, there's a quote uh a quote i came across where she's like sometimes i try to be a nice feminist yeah but i'm not yeah <laughs> Yeah, but she does it in a way where it's like, again, it's like not preachy and it's not telling you that she's right and you're wrong. And that's hard to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's really, it's really hard to do because I feel like a lot of modern filmmakers are so much like in your face with this is what my opinions are. And if you disagree with them, you're wrong. The wrong lesson from Spike Lee. Yeah. Spike Lee is not subtle, yeah. which is the point. But sometimes, but Spike is also intelligent and knows what, what, what to be yeah. not subtle about. He can be subtle also. Yeah. Or like it's, yeah. Yeah, she's welcoming, maybe is the way to say it. I mean, I don't know what words to yeah. use, but it's welcoming and it's um, inviting you to 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 see what she sees and, and, and presents it to you in, in that sort of way. So then, that, that like I said, I think that's hard to do because you don't see that too often, especially now. Now it's very preachy. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I remember uh, last episode Kessler was on, he mentions something uh someone who who worked with demi and varda yeah who was like said like oh they're communists but you know they're french communists <laughs> <laughs> yeah that which better. yes yeah yeah which like uh, i get because italian communists if you watch movies you're like it's a certain type of person yeah yeah <laughs> and then yeah and french ones are uh, a, a little less intense yes. but also italy was politically a bit uh a bit different. <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, just a little bit. But. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that, uh, this is 1962. Yep. Um. Oh man. We do cover here a lot. I don't remember what I said in the past, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't matter, Amanda. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah. You, you can go first. Oh boy. 1962. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this are other movies I liked from this year. Is that what we're going at? 
Yeah. Yeah. Basically, something else that you think uh, uh, notable that people should check out. Oh. Um. Oof. Um. <laughs> uh. Speaking of Antonioni, there's his The Eclipse is the English name for it that came out, I think, in 62. I That's think. the one I like. Yeah. It's the one you like? Yes. Yeah, nice. It's um, very, very political. Yeah. It talks about Africa stuff. Yeah. In a very ugly, confrontational way. So I'm into it. I mean, you summed it up, and then it's Elaine Delon and uh, Monica Vitti, of course. And I think it's his third, if I remember correctly, it's the third film in that trilogy. Um yeah, because Lanote is the one in the middle. Yeah, it's that one's like 61, I think. And then La Ventura is, I think, is 1960. I mean, I think out of the three, La Ventura might be my favorite, which we talked about before in another episode. But the eclipse is excellent and to the points um, you made. Um, so I recommend that. Um, and it's, it's on location in Rome and Verona, I think. Um, and it's about an affair that VD has with Delon, but I won't go into a lot of, of, uh, more of the details. I think it's just worth checking out. Um, I think I should mention VD is in blackface at one point, but it yeah. serves a purpose. There is a purpose. Yes, um, there's a purpose. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot to suddenly, uh, uh, stumble into. Yes. Um, so I I think that should be on the Criterion channel. I don't see why it wouldn't be. So it should be easy I to watch. It used to be. Yeah. And um, that won the Palm d'Or over, um, I'm pretty sure it did at cons over the, um, over Cleo. Because Cleo was nominated. Uh, um, and Harakiri wasn't. Yeah. Didn't win it. Of the best movie. Yeah. Ever made. Ever made. Um, and I that might be my pick. Really? <laughs> nice. Hi here. Yeah. That's a great. You movie. can pick it if you want. It doesn't matter. I mean, my only. I had another one. Um, now that I think about it, is the man who shot Liberty Valance, which is the. Yes. Yeah. John Ford movie with John Wayne and James Stewart. It feels so weird that those came out the same year. Isn't it? Like, it doesn't feel that way when I watch that. <laughs> but um, it's, it's also an amazing movie, and I'd rather not share too many details about it other than that Lee Van Cleef is in it and the movie's great and you should check it out if you haven't seen it because um, I think it's a perfect movie Lee Van Cleef yep. a few dollars more yes. he was born 45 Yeah, <laughs> Lee Marvin's in it too if I remember right yeah he is uh, he is also born 45 yep. yep so those are my two I think and that's it okay for me I got two quick ones Hari Kiri it's not gonna die. It's perfect. Yes. Uh, you have to like if you haven't seen it, just watch it. It's it's a masterpiece in, L- in every way. Uh, just listen to a bunch of the past episodes. You you hear me just begging Spencer to watch that movie. He's like, I, it's on the list. I'll get to it eventually. And when he finally does, it's just like, oh yeah, that movie's a masterpiece. It's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm yeah, so Nakadai, who just turned ninety something, is uh, the greatest actor alive. Yeah. Where's his OnlyFans? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's probably too busy just being a chill old guy enjoying life. As it should be. One of these. Yeah. Sometimes he comes to the U.S. to see screenings of um, uh, for of Ran, and Kagamusha mm-hmm. in New York City, and every time I'm like. I need to know ahead of time so I can take off work so I can go see him in person. Yeah. Because yeah. my time's running out. And uh, 
uh, Thunderbird talked to him briefly. He said, like, in, in, when you're in his presence, like, you feel like you're in the presence of, a, of like, a superstar. Oh, wow. You, okay. You are. Yeah. He's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another one. Um, Mama Roma, the, mm. I think the third Pasolini movie, mm-hmm. second or third one. It's the last, like, truly normal movie he made. You can you can see a signs of him being like, ugh, structure, story. Who needs that? Ideas and penises. That's what I want. But um, <laughs> I mean, I'm you're right. I'm not wrong. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but Mama Roma is just like taking a look at modern Italy at at that point in time, being like, this being like, what the fuck happened here? basically and seeing like the youth culture and the uh, culture of the adults who like lived through the war and fascism who are like no this is bad you need to get education you need to learn and mm-hmm. it's uh full of christ imagery and um leftism and i believe that's a movie where at the premiere there's a picture of Pasolini punching a fascist who was trying who was at the who was at who was like at the premiere that makes me so happy. It's a really great picture. <laughs> I think anyway. that's, that's uh, one of the ones I uh, requested for my next Interesting. little face. Interesting. Um, I need to find this image. Pasolini. Yeah. Oh yeah, because like I, I said, like Antonioni, but like, absolutely not. <laughs> yes. But I was like, no, Pasolini. That's more important. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, yeah, that's it. Mamaroma is great. And that's a good indicator of like if you'll if you if you're into a stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, this movie or this year has more than one of my like favorite all-time movies. We've already talked Hirakiri, <clears throat> Hirakiri, Yaharakara. This also is the year that Legetti Le came out. And this, I think, this yes. is considered French New Wave. Chris Marker, very, very short movie, <laughs> mostly still images. It's like if you watched it and you were like, "This, this is pretentious shit," I'd be like, "I can see why you'd say that." On the other hand, fuck you, <laughs> because I don't know. <laughs> the first time I watched this movie, I immediately watched it again. I just. Yeah. There was something so fascinating, and the only reason I watched it is because it was the basis for Twelve Monkeys, partially. Yeah. And it's like, huh, let's see, let's see what this is about. And I, I still love Twelve Monkeys, but yeah, th- th- there needs to be like a thick black line in between the two movies. It's like, yeah, you know, they have sort of the same flavor. Mm-hmm. It, it just like appealed to my soul just like the poetry the imagery and then i don't want to this is so funny it's not even like a big deal but i don't want to spoil what happens towards the end of it because it, like for me my heart just started beating so hard and mm. if you haven't watched legetti like it's it's very short so you got the time it's like 30 minutes Step i think there. right something really it's a short <clears throat> yeah. film yeah that's perfect to me. Um, so the other ones, I guess I could pick. Like, once again, I'm I'm looking like what else came out when Cleo Five to Seven came out? That like 
Stanley Kubrick's Lolita, which I'm not going to talk about because I don't really like it. <laughs> but the fact that those two came out at the same time is kind of like, uh, what? We're here. I so, mean, mm-hmm. I was going to say Carnival of Souls, but it's not my choice, it's yours. See, I haven't seen Carnival of Souls. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be on this list, probably. Sweet. Uh, I've already talked about this one, probably even the last time we talked about a 1962 movie, but I finally finished the uh, the fabulous Baron Munchausen, um, director Carol oh, Zeman. Nice. good. That movie is so amazing. Like, just all the different techniques and, and like, miniatures and animation and color tones and jokes like the movie is so funny yeah yeah Yeah, it's like such a sensory adventure (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. like that's his style like he did that his whole career even his late era stuff that's not as good yeah it still has that super fun creative uh spirit to it let's see there's a lot of good movies this year just going from memory it's like kind of hard to pick yeah. i think like lawrence of arabia is also this year which is an amazing movie. yes it is yep. and to kill a mockingbird is something that i used to live i wonder how i would feel about it now yeah 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 but yeah I- i'm pretty much done like 62 was just <laughs> a good year yeah i'm with you i think it was yeah where's our wrong roll episode on 62 I don't know. Because Wrong they did like, they did like so. 80, 1983, mm-hmm. 71. I think they did like 90, 92 or 93. Did they do like the 90s episode? 39, because everybody does 39. I don't know. I, I haven't listened. I, I've listened off and on, only off and on lately. Yeah. They, they have done a too. 62 episode. Yeah. There are too many podcasts. Uh, Including this one. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, oh, for me, coming out, uh, Grumpire stuff, I have free time again, and I'm finally feel like I'm closing in on an article I pitched over a year ago to LB on, uh, for, for the punk, um, column mm-hmm. for movies that are secretly punk, and I picked a 40s musical that, uh, yeah, I won't say much more, but it's a 40s musical. Ooh. And that hope, hopefully, God damn it! What's that noise? It's been a long time. I know it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> now they're dropping nukes. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So yeah, Grumpire stuff, and oh, oh, and for October, action, the action roundup thing, I did Saloom. Which fucking rules. I love Saloon. It's my favorite movie of the year. And, uh... Uh... Dirty... Uh... What's it called? Uh, After Blue Dirty Paradise. Which is a... Space Western... Uh... On a planet... Uh... That's only... That has only lesbians on it. It's a... Very strange movie. It's El Topo. But much better. Because no animals are killed for no reason. And like that, yeah, it's a really strange movie. Uh, I like except the animal stuff that. that makes I'm me with not you. I like just it. like how weird Yodorowski is. Um, 
Yeah. I like him too if he didn't kill animals. I agree. I wish he made Dune though. Like that's probably like my favorite documentary is his Dune movie that he didn't make. Yeah, but anyway, after Blue Dirty Paradise, there's a Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome. It was on Blind Buy and I was like, I need to justify this shit. So (laughs) so I reviewed it. Nice. (laughs) And I kind of love it. Fantastic. uh, You'll know if you hate it immediately (laughs) because it's 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 a strong vibe. Um, and I know some people listening will probably hate it. Wait a minute. Somebody on um, Letterboxd, they just pulled it up to make sure it's on my watch list, said if the never-ending mm-hmm. story was horny as hell and every second word was Kate Bush. Does that describe it? Kind of. Okay, it's yeah. definitely going to watch wait, wait it. A minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> the, isn't, the, isn't the never-ending story already super horny? <laughs> uh, yes. I, I get feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a serial killer named Kate Bush. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, watch the movie. It'll make sense. All right. Will it make sense? I don't know, actually. Just watch the movie. All right, nice. That's it um, for me coming up. And uh, Amanda, are you on any podcast or anything? Um, I've only been really um, with you guys lately um, and helping out as much as I can, which I'm thankful for. I love talking to both of you. Um and um, oh, yeah, thanks. I um, have um, some other friends that do a nerdy podcast. So wizard podcast, um, a different format. Um, and they talk about like newer um, pop culture movies that I'm not usually the biggest fan of. And they are always excited that I have negative things to say about those movies. Um, mm-hmm. And I did one recently on Black Adam, which was atrocious. And then they made me watch Halloween Ends, which was also atrocious. <laughs> Dear God. Yeah. Hey, Black Adam has Hawkman. Yeah. So I'm pretty curious. Ha- I love Hawkman. Hawkman is Hawk so underused. It's so disappointing. Um, I, I, I love uh, Dr. Fate, man. Yeah. And Dr. Fate is also uh, yeah. underused. Like they were the two that I was like, yay, like this could be great. And then they, they treated Dr. Fate like he was um, a generic um um what's his name in marvel um dr strange strange yeah that's literally what they treat oh. him like and then when you're watching it He's a very different character yes not the it, same thing. but it's kind of like they're like oh hey average joe six-pack likes dr strange so we got to do like a taste of that and then like as you're watching well, that's it that's not dr Fate. i know that's but different... I'm, I'm just warning you and then like and then like Ugh. there's um it's really amusing to me because we talked about it in the episode and it was it's it was it's funny um so i would i would suggest Is anybody it? listens to their their episode we we did on that but um like is it egyptian hawkman or alien hawkman because they they're different origins they don't really i mean maybe you would know from seeing the costume because i'm not that um in the know with it's, that character but they don't explain it, any sort okay. of origin they just kind of okay. throw you in and then it's like the um what is the name of the ship that the x-men use Blackhawk. It seems like they have, um, you know, since Marvel hasn't made an X-Men movie yet, that they've rented that ship (laughs) and the School of the Gifted, and then they're all on that ship together, if that makes sense. Like, there's no, like, there's no character development. They kind of just throw you in and then expect you to care and to know the characters, which is a huge flaw of the movie. And then, um, but anyway, um, the Doctor Fate character, it feels like when you're watching it that Pierce Brosnan somehow in his contract said, every time I talk, I need to remove my really cool helmet. <laughs> 
So <laughs> you barely ever see Dr. Fate with that helmet on, and then he removes it, and then he goes into this long soliloquy as, as Pierce Brosnan being a gentleman, and then he puts his helmet back on to do something cool, which is very Dr. Strange-like. I, I do like Pierce Brosnan. I do, too. I want to see that face, but... Yeah. Uh, I, I was imagining if they put the Phantom Stranger in there, and it was just some guy, hey, I'm the <laughs> Phantom Stranger. Like, uh, he's not far off, unfortunately. walk between dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> they have consciousness in multiple places at the same time. That's like the concept of magic in DC yeah. is way better than it is in Marvel, in yeah. my opinion. And like... But they just can't make... I, I, they just can't make a I good like, Superman movie to save their life. <laughs> yeah. So move on. Do they're doing Blue Beetle next year? Yeah. I am. I uh, hope it's a Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle. Yeah. Yeah. Like my favorite. Yeah. Like, but anyway, um, there's also like I don't know. I would suggest you guys watch it, but just go into it okay. knowing it's gonna be bad. <laughs> okay. That's too bad. Yeah, and then yeah. there's an I call them exposition skateboard kids. So let me know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. They're doing Hawkman dirty. That's, that's they do wrong. do him to Hawkman very dirty, and same thing with Doctor Fate. Like we're a one and done, unfortunately. So spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully Blue Beetle will be good. Yeah, hopefully. I'm I'm with you. I hope. I hope for the best. So yeah. No Ted Court. I had me Jaime Reyes. Yeah. Okay. So too much comic talk, Joel. Uh, what do you have? <laughs> I don't got a shit. I mean. I'm honestly rethinking my whole concept of please don't send me outer space because I, I did restart it very temporarily. I released two episodes, but it, it just felt wrong to me because not, not because it's not about sci-fi or anything like that. It, please don't send me out into outer space was a special project, you know, between me and Aaron and Sarah. That's this thing that, the new episodes just kind of don't resemble. And so I'm really thinking about taking what I have already and making an entirely different named podcast, you know, still whatever. But the, I mean, please don't send me out. Our space is going to be up as long as I continue to pay the, how much it charges me once a year, which is nice. And, <laughs> I, you know, I, I I highly recommend, which is something funny because I really get embarrassed sometimes when people talk about these episodes that I you know I did with my friends. I recommend listening to them. Like, find a movie that you already had seen. That we did a hundred and fifty some episodes on a whole range of different sci-fi and fantasy stuff, and I I just I just hope that you listen and you feel like you're hanging out with your friends yeah and um i mean that's that's about it like i'm, I'm not doing the video game stuff anymore because <laughs> the more stories i hear about people that are into that the more it sounds miserable like maybe I'll, i was really thinking about starting to make youtube videos that were just clips of things that i did and like commentary over it or something like that but th nothing firm mm nothing for him. and since i got that uh award for poet laureates i think i have to go on to no i don't have that it's not <laughs> you can find me on OnlyFans. i'm uh, feetmaster 17 i specialize in hobbit scenes and stepping on eggs they're gonna get a lot of okay. clicks mm-hmm 
There's something for everyone. Yes. I'm a comedian. I'm leaving. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a third to last episode. Next episode is Jules and Jim nice. with the Grumpire crew. And then after that is the last time Amanda will ever be on this podcast. I figured. Oh, my God. <laughs> Until next season. Oh, okay. no. Jesus. And then the wrap-up episode. The yeah, so... Uh, Oh, yeah, you'll be on that one. Sweet. Okay, after we're done recording. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, the, yeah, so, J-Dog, you can shut it down. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Twitter and stuff. Twitter, I don't know, will it still be around? I don't fucking know. Who knows? We're, we're on there me. currently. Hey, hey, yeah. I just, I just thought of something. Um, fuck Elon Musk. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, now I'm stuck. <laughs> okay. The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com, and thank you for listening.